Welcome to the Mile High Church Podcast. Roger Teal has got a great message for you when it's time to cross the line. But first, I've got to let you know that there are several classes starting this week. Mental Equivalence, Existential Metapsychiatry, and Self-Mastery will be offered online. And there will be an in-person self-mastery class starting this week as well. Check out milehighchurch.org if you're interested. Good morning, good morning. It's a great joy to be back here in the sanctuary of good old Mile High. It's always kind of emotional for me. And uh, about the only thing that would make it better is if you all were physically present. But it feels so good that you are spiritually present. And I bring you my love. Erica brings you love. And before I dive into the message, aren't we just so profoundly grateful for uh, all of the, the blessings that the leadership team of Mile High Church brings to us. Uh, unprecedented times. We've not seen anything quite like them. And yet, uh, Dr. Michelle, Reverend Josh, the ministerial team, the board, the incredible staff, the leadership of the practitioners, so steady uh, and delivering us the finest uh, Sunday services and other activities, classes, prayer groups, uh, it's just phenomenal, the creativity and lengths that these incredible people have gone to to ensure that we are still spiritually fed uh, and nourished and uh, are able to be on the front lines of meeting the, the challenges that we all face, making the difference we can make. So I personally want to thank this wonderful team and, uh, and I want to thank you for supporting them because that's vital, that's essential, that you support this wonderful place. Erica and I remain steadfast tithers uh, and we will continue that and uh, are here to do whatever we can do. And I look forward to the day when we can be back in here for Sunday services as members, enjoying the incredible messages that abound here and hugging on you. Now, I don't know how long that's going to be, but it may be a while, but we're looking forward to it. So feel a virtual hug right now, all right? And uh, much love to you. All right, uh, my topic today is when it's time to cross the line. When it's time to cross the line. Now, there are certain lines that should never be crossed. And I'm talking about the personal boundaries that are appropriate for every person. Those lines should never be crossed. Uh, anything uh, that uh, is abusive or destructive or injurious, uh, those lines should never be crossed. And I think it's important to remember that and to honor those boundaries and those lines. And... There are certain lines that are meant to be crossed, that need to be crossed. And these lines are the artificial limits that we all set on ourselves and on humanity. Those lines need to be crossed. Is it time for you to cross such a line so that you can step into your greater yet to be? I've always loved the writings of Robert Fulgham. And one particular incident he writes about is very cute. And I invite you to visualize uh, this incident, have, have a sense of this. He writes, on a hot summer day, I was in Greece on the island of Crete. It was late in August, and I sought shade and a cool drink under the canvas awning of a waterfront cafe. More than 100 degrees in still air, crowded Tempers of both the tourists and waiters had risen amid the circumstances, creating a tensely quarrelsome environment. At a table next to mine sat an attractive young couple, well-dressed in summer fashion, 
rumpled linen, fine leather sandals, the man, stock, olive complexion, black hair, mustache, the woman, lanky, fair, blonde. Waiting for service, they held hands, whispered affections, kissed, giggled, laughed. Having waited a long time for service and no service coming, while others fussed, fumed, and fought what was happening, suddenly this couple stood, picked up their metal table and carrying it with them, stepped together off the edge of the quay to place the table in the shallow water of the harbor. The man waited back for the two chairs. He gallantly seated his lady in waist-high water and sat down himself. The onlookers looked and then laughed, applauded, and cheered. Then the sour-faced waiter appeared. He paused for the briefest moment, raised his eyebrows, then picked up a tablecloth, napkins, and silverware, and waded into the water to set the table and take their order. He waded back ashore to the ongoing cheers and applause of the rest of the customers, and minutes later returned with a tray carrying a bucket of iced champagne and two glasses. Without pausing, he waded once more into the water to serve the drinks. The couple toasted each other and the waiter, and the crowd replied with cheering and throwing flowers from the table decorations. Three other tables joined to have lunch in the sea, and the atmosphere shifted from frustration to festival. And Fulgham concludes, one does not wade into the water in one's best summer outfit. Why not? Why not? Customers are not served in the sea. Why not? And here's the line I want you to remember. Sometimes one should consider crossing the line of what has been to find what can be. Sometimes one should consider crossing the line of what has been to find what can be. You see, in this wonderful teaching of ours, we know that we are immersed in a sea of infinite possibilities. And yet we stay sheltered so very much of the time. We hang back in what was, in the status quo, in what we're familiar with, even if we don't enjoy it, or even if we say the, the evidence of its limitation in our lives. We, we revolt against the newness simply because it is that, new. You know, there's a certain kind of caterpillar I've heard about. They're little caterpillars, and if you place those caterpillars, a number of them, on the rim of a big flower pot, these caterpillars, which are called processional caterpillars, they will go around and around the rim of that pot endlessly, over and over, until one by one they die and fall off the rim of the pot into the soil of the planter. Soil that if they'd gone into, they could have burrowed in and thrived. And I think sometimes, sadly enough, there's a deadening that goes on in, in us when we just are going around and around and around in the same old ways uh, in our lives. Not realizing that life is always calling us to an edge, always calling us to a line that's meant to be crossed. It's a line of what we've currently manifested, what we currently know, what, what our lives are currently about, and inviting us to cross that line, sometimes one should consider crossing the line of what was 
to find what can be. Founder of the Science of Mind and Spirit, Ernest Holmes, he put it this way, we are continuously living a new life. And when the old and the new do not fit nicely together, the old, being no longer able to contain the new, should be discarded. We should never lose sight of the fact that the soul is on the pathway of an endless and ever-expanding experience and that only by expansion can it evolve. Accepting the lessons of the past and taking the best from everything, we should press boldly forward. Why don't we press boldly forward? Well, you know, it's uh, an allegiance to old patterns. It's staying stuck in a comfortable mediocrity. Uh, it's, it's being caught up in and run by a fear of change. And yet, life is calling to us to step over that line and to continue the adventure of what Spirit has begun in us. You see, you're a great adventure. You're a miracle. You're not designed for dulled living. You're designed for innovation, for exploration, for challenging your own limits and seeing what it is Life's got going on in the seed of divinity within. That's your call. That's my call. Always. Jim Rohn, Rohn, a great great motivator, he said, Every life form seems to strive to its maximum except human beings. How, How tall will a tree grow? Answer, as tall as it possibly can. Human beings, on the other hand, have been given the dignity of choice. And you can choose to be all, or you can choose to be less. Why not stretch up to the full measure of the challenge and see what you can be and do? A great invitation. So one of the slants uh, in this sharing for you today is be aware that your dreams are calling you. The greater dreams of your expression are calling you. And they're calling you to that line and challenging you to cross, even if you are afraid. I I like the the motto of do it afraid. Don't wait until you're not afraid, because anytime you're moving into newness, you're going to have some fear. Cross that line, because it's all about finding what can be. So what is that like for you? What's the dream calling to you? What's What's the old that's become stifling and stagnating? That a part of your spirit is saying, I'm ready. I'm ready to cross that line. Even though I don't know how to go fully, I've got no guarantees, I don't know what's up with that, and yet I know it's in my spirit to cross that line. Is it time for you in that? So now the second slant of this thing um, is something I definitely want to talk about. It's a deeper symbolism uh, in the, the, the story that Fulgham shared with us. Because it was a hot day in the story and temperatures had risen and frustrations were overflowing. And when I read that, I thought, you know, that's kind of the way it is in our world today and in our country today. Uh, That's the state of things on the planet. Temperatures are rising emotionally and ecologically. And, And there's so much rancor, separation, so much anger. I don't think we're stretching things to share that this is a very troubled world right now. And I wonder what line it brings us to. Many, many people who are in touch with me, they will say over and over, Roger, help. What do I do to cope with all this going on? How can I maintain uh, 
some sense of personal balance and, and peace of mind in all of this. I'm afraid. How do, how do I maintain optimism rather than sinking into the pits of despair? Sometimes one should consider crossing the line of what has been to find what can be. And as I thought about that Greek couple going down to have their champagne in the sea, I was reminded of an old gospel song, Wade in the Waters. Uh, With all apologies to our music team, it goes like this. Wade in the waters, wade in the waters, children. Wade in the waters, God's going to trouble the waters. Now, my booking agent, there'll be a little thing there that has my uh, booking material if uh, you need a soloist. (laughs) Again, apologies to those who do what I I just did well. Um, But think about that. You know, that, that song is derived from a passage in the Bible where Jesus healed a man by the, by the pool of Bethesda. And, and that pool, it was said that uh, angels of God would stir up the waters, would, quote, trouble the waters. And if you happened to be in the water when that happened, you were assured of being healed. You were assured of healing. Now, symbolically, one of the symbols that water is in, in spiritual symbology is, is the spiritual dimension. And it is indeed true that if we'll enter into that, if we'll wade into those waters, into the waters of spirit, the, the presences, the angels, the, the, the life energy of the spirit will stir up the waters. And troubling the waters means stirring up the healing energies uh, in life. And so that there are healing energies that we can move ourselves into, if we will. Yeah, these are turbulent times. And what can we do about that? That's what we really want to assess. Maybe, in a way, it's calling us to cross the line of what has been, the way we've sized it up so far, in order to find out what can be. What can be. So I think that there's help for us here. And I'm encouraging you not only to cross that line of what has been, but I'm also encouraging you to wade into those waters that can be healing and activate something even greater for you. Here's some keys around this, three things I think that can really help us, what we really need. First of all, is we really need a deeper immersion in spirit. A deeper immersion in spirit calls us. I was so delighted to hear uh, Tom Litch saying, um, uh, I'm going deeper. Take me deeper, spirit. Take me deeper. God is calling me a little bit deeper than I've ever been before. You know, I know that's true about you and me. And that these times are powerful opportunities for a deeper immersion in the Spirit. A teacher that I've been uh, studying with, Richard Rohr, uh, he reminded me of the power of the 62nd Psalm. And it goes like this. God alone, in God alone is my soul at rest. God is the source of my hope. In God, I find shelter, my rock, and my safety. And then I think he sizes up, the, the, the psalmist sized up the rest of the human condition. He said, men are but a puff of wind. Men who think themselves important are a delusion. Put them on a scale, they're gone in a puff of wind. 
But remember those opening lines. In God alone is my soul at rest. God is the source of my hope. In God I find shelter, my rock, and my safety. We need something upon which we can stand and rest. I mean, there's so much going on in our world, this ongoing pandemic. And then the social unrest as we come into an awareness of the inequities, the racial inequities, and the preparedness to really make significant change. Then there's all of the angst and the anger and the raucous accusations from each of the sides and the polarization of our society. And then there's the um, weather-related catastrophes and divisive politics and a caustic heated election time. And it's no wonder that, that many people feel like the overall mental emotional stability of our culture is at risk, is tenuous at best. And yet I, I feel like it's important for us to have some perspective in this and to use these times well for our deepening, to cross that line into, uh, from what has been into what can be and to wade into the waters that, that can heal us. Because I don't think any of us is going through anything quite like uh, a young Jewish woman the hardship and the injustice that uh, she experienced in a concentration camp. And her name is Eddie Hillsom. Hillsom. I'll bring up a picture here of Eddie Hillsom. She was a Dutch girl who wrote letters and diaries about her own spiritual awakening and also about the persecution of Jews in Amsterdam during the German occupation. In 1943, at the age of 29, she was deported and killed in Auschwitz concentration camp. And yet through her diaries, you have a sense that she found what could be within her. Listen to her words. There is a really deep well inside me, and in it dwells God. Sometimes I am there too. And that is all we can manage these days, and also all that really matters, that we safeguard that little piece of you, God, in ourselves. So in the, the darkness and the suffering of that experience, she found a deeper immersion in the Spirit. She waded into those waters of Spirit. Now that's something we can do right now. And you're at choice. You can give yourself to the public dialogue and furor and get immersed in it and whipped by it, up to you. Or you can manage how much of that you subject yourself to and do the deeper work and quest for a deeper immersion in spirit. And that ultimately is the great invitation of all life experiences. Why not now, though, in these times? I just have to share those words with you of hers again. Listen with your heart. There is a really deep well inside me, and in it dwells God. I pause here. Can you sense that deep well inside you and that God is there? The all-loving, all-originating creator in that deep well. And she says, sometimes I'm there too. Yeah, the world's a very compelling thing. It pulls us into the drama pulls us into the disputes. Very easy to get into that. But then there are those precious times when we wade into the waters, when we cross the line of what has been to find what can be, and we go into that well 
And we hang out there. And then this passage of hers concludes, and that is all we can manage these days. Maybe it's the best thing we can do these days. And also, it's all that really matters that we safeguard that little piece of you, God, in ourselves. We safeguard that little piece of the divine in us. We don't let that be obscured entirely. No, no, no. We safeguard that. And we protect that in our lives. You see, the peace that we seek is not found in places of fear. The peace and the enrichment that you and I seek is not found in in venom uh, and, and in hatred. It's not found in ill will. And it's not found in deliberate deceit. The peace that we seek is found in the womb of love. The God we seek is in the womb of love. And our job is to offer up that womb. To allow that love to deepen within us. Crossing the line of what has been defined, what can be. You know, Mile High is offering life-transforming, deepening classes right now. You saw some of them in the announcements. You can go online and, and register for these classes and make a conscious investment and intention that you're about a deeper immersion in spirit. No doubt, not just fluffy talk, but you're on that path. So I encourage you to do that. That's a way you can take action with this right now. As well as you can also um, not only deepen your your prayer life, uh, but you can also manage the amount of time you give to uh, the broadcasts of, of the lesser energies, uh, whether it's on TV or social media or, or the internet or whatever the case. And really free up that time. Some people say, well, I don't have time for all that. Yeah, you do. It's all the time you waste on Facebook and, and listening to all the diatribes going on. There's a better use of that time. And if you're really serious about finding your power in these times, it's about a deeper immersion in spirit. That's the first thing that we can do. Wade into those waters. Wade into the waters. The second thing I would offer that I feel like we need is a courageous change of heart. Courageous change of heart. Peter Senge wrote, when all is said and done, the only thing that will make a difference is the transformation of the human heart. How true. That's really where it's at. I mean, we could wish that um, this wasn't happening and that wasn't happening and etc., etc. All the things we wish. And we would think that then things will magically shift. But it's a It's a courageous change of heart in us personally as well as collectively in the overall consciousness of humankind. That's what will make the difference. That's what we're all working toward. And you see, you've got your little private space. You've got your personal universe in which you can have a deeper immersion in spirit and in which you can practice opening your heart and making it the center point of your life. You and I have that capacity in our lives. And then we believe in what the Greeks called metanoia, which is this radical change of heart, this this courageous change of heart that happens when finally the heart is open. I remember what it was like for me when I finally opened my heart chakra. Everything shifted. My whole life from then on up to now has shifted. And I wonder if you're willing to explore the powers of your heart. And I wonder, are you willing to believe that others can change? And that a change of heart, no matter what path an individual has gone down, is possible and transformative. I want to remind you of an incident that happened on Oprah's show. Uh, It was in 1988, and she did a show about skinheads. 
uh, white supremacists, and she had four of them on her show, and it was very angry, very toxic, ugly uh, show. In fact, these supremacists even called black people monkeys on the show, right there with Oprah there. Um, and uh, it was very hateful. And at the end of it, Oprah said, I realized that I was doing more to empower them than to expose them. And since that moment, I've never done a show like that again. Well, in 2011, 23 years later, two of those original four supremacists returned to the show to apologize. And their names are Dewey Bozella and Mike Barrett. Now, here is a picture of them early on in 88 when they were ranting and raving. There they are. And now, these many years later, here they are. And they're on the show to apologize. And Bozella watches the video of his behavior and he shares how he had been in prison uh, for assault. And he just shook his head as he watched pictures of himself. He said, that kid was lost. I feel differently now. I am so embarrassed. And then Mike Barrett, as he watched it, he, he shared how he had been in prison for defacing a synagogue and how he had been placed on a work crew with all black prisoners. And it was transformative. He said, these guys accepted me for who I was. They already knew about my past because it was tattooed all over my neck and back. Swastikas, the whole works. But they treated me like a human being. And it just taught me that everybody is a human being. We just can't hate people. A change of heart. A courageous change of heart. Reveals a whole new soul level. That's our challenge. What in me is hardened? What in me is angry? What in me is judgmental? I've got to go to the heart and allow this radical, I've got to wade into the waters and let a healing happen. What's it for you? And can you hold that vision for our culture and for our world as we struggle to grow, to have a breakthrough in consciousness so that our species is not fear-based but love-based? Can you hold that high vision even when all evidence seems to point to the contrary? We need a courageous change of heart. We can do that. Nelson Mandela, he said, I always knew, he was, by the way, in prison for 26 years, away from his family. And he said, I always knew that deep down in every human heart there is mercy and generosity. No one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin, his background, or his religion. People must learn to hate and if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. Even in the grimmest times in prison, when my comrades and I were pushed to our limits, I would see a glimmer of humanity in one of the guards, perhaps just for a second. But it was enough to reassure me and keep me going. Man's goodness is a flame that can be hidden, but never quite extinguished. Wade into those waters, crossing the line of what has been is so commonplace to find what can be. And finally, we need an inspired willingness to serve. That's something we can do in these times. We can have a deeper immersion in the spirit. We can make sure we're heart-centered and we're holding the world in that, and then we can get with it. And we can give action to our love, action to our compassion, action to the vision for a world that works for everyone. We can find a way to serve. And you might say, well, that's not going to change the world. Maybe it'll have a bigger effect than you know. But it will change your world. And you are in charge of your world. And your world is not the product of everything happening to you. 
It's what's happening in you that is the superstructure and the foundation of your world. And how powerful in this time to shift from disparagement and discouragement to serving. Serving. One of the wonderful examples I'll close with is um, a Swedish teacher named Hilda Back. Hilda Bach. Uh, years ago, she decided to sponsor a child in Kenya uh, to go to school. She made a monthly commitment to $15 a month, which she held was insignificant, but she kept it up because she thought that even a small act was worth performing. Well, the Kenyan child, his name, Chris Maburu, he grew up in a mud hut and would not have escaped his family's cycle of poverty had it not been for Hilda Bach's donations, her givingness. And so today, because of what Hilda Bach did in a consistent way, he's a Harvard Law School graduate, and he's worked for the United Nations in human rights. Here's a picture of the two of them, uh, Chris Maburu and Hilda Bach. And then the beautiful thing is Chris Maburu set up a foundation to give scholarships and educational support to other Kenyan kids named after Hilda Bach. And she's visited there and celebrated with the hordes of kids that have been blessed by this man. And then a documentary was done on her that aired in 2006. Who knows the ripples of deciding that you're going to cross the line of discouragement and despair and disempowerment to find what you can be and do in the world, to wade into the healing waters and to share And again, I suggest one of the things you can do, however you do what you do, is keep supporting this place. Because the light that Mile High Church shines is unparalleled and absolutely essential. Make it your commitment, not just occasionally, not just today, but consistently until we can gather together again. And and we'll appreciate even more fully the glory and the beauty of what we have. And if you're listening from a distance, this spiritual center matters and is, is sending you many, many opportunities. For as we have received, let's give back. That's a way we can serve. And keep questioning, how can I make a difference in my little corner of the universe? So crossing the line of what has been to find what can be. What a great adventure. That's what we're here for. And as we do, let's wade into the waters, the healing waters, that we experience with a deeper immersion in the Spirit, a courageous change of heart, keeping our hearts open, and a renewed determination that we're going to make a difference right where we are. I love you and I bless you. Cross that line. Let's have a prayer together. Oh, infinite divine Spirit, in that deep well within me, that really deep well, I drink from the healing waters and allow myself to be refreshed. My vision turned away from a chaotic, hurting world to the light divine that shines within me, that I might let that light shine. For I remember that I am the light of the world. So I fan this spark of divinity within me. I fan this spark of divinity into a warming flame Allow my heart to open on this day, this precious Sunday. 
and I realize that I am here by divine appointment. And as my consciousness shifts and my feet move into service and into action, I'm a part of a higher order of being. I'm a part of something. I'm vibrating to your precious frequency of wholeness and love and joy within me. And I am grateful for this is my healing right here. That I'm no longer afraid. I'm no longer wallowing in discouragement. I'm uplifted and empowered to shine a greater light. Even in the darkness, the light shines so brightly. Oh, infinite spirit, I am so grateful for the strength that abides within me in this deep well. I'm so grateful for the guiding light within me. I'm so grateful for the love that holds me every moment in its precious embrace and equips me to be an instrument of love and joy. And I'm so grateful that the stand I take, the vision I hold, is a part of a greater unfoldment, that my life is vibrating and creating at a higher level and that as I go forth into my life, Something vibrates from me and touches life. And and I live this inspired life. Gladly have I crossed the line of what was. And I am in the presence of that which is to be. And I continue moving. I continue forward. And I'm so grateful for the miracle of life. So grateful. We together in this consciousness then bless this world knowing that light is not obscured. It's shining brighter than we know. And that our hearts are attuning together and a vibration of love goes forth from this time. And we maintain that in our daily prayers. And we just give thanks for the support and the power of Mile Church going on strong as a spiritual beacon. For one another in this time of spiritual fellowship, I am so very grateful. So profoundly grateful. May we let it be so. And so it is. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, please visit us at milehighchurch.org. Have a fabulous day.